You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And uh, this is uh, David's pick, as a matter of fact. And uh, we always start our show. We've got a great guest, um, a return guest, as a matter of fact. Keith Bogle was in the U.S. Air Force. And uh, as many of you know, we've started something a little bit different. I don't know of any other station in the country that's doing this, as a matter of fact. But I lost a very good friend, a, a veteran and brother that uh, was died from the effects of Agent Orange. And so we set up a page on our website called the J. Roy Ritchie Memorial Prayer Line. And I know during uh, J. Roy's fight to live, he had a number of his brothers that were praying for him, and it gave me the idea, why not do it on a on a larger scale? And we've got folks that uh, are going to our website filling in the form and asking for prayers for their friends and um, their, well, when I say friends, their veteran friends and uh, it may be a family member that's a veteran that's needing help and needing prayer and uh, if you'll send us their name we will make sure that it's uh, listed. I've got the ones that uh, we've already done and uh, we we hope that a number of people have uh, in turn prayed for them and uh, we uh, and as usual I've got my paperwork messed up and backwards so anyway uh, folks you know about it send it in send your if it's you or someone that you know that needs prayer so with that being said we're going to take just a moment before we get started about one minute and uh We'll come back after a a moment to think about our veterans and what this season is all about and how important, uh, and we'll talk to uh, Keith about this a little bit too on on his experience during a holiday season. And uh, we'll be back in just about one minute. Thank you. Amen. As everybody knows, that's the way we start this is with uh, Jody, and uh, we always have fun with Jody's and enjoy them and Keith I don't know if a Jody ever helped you get through on a a forced march or anything like that but uh, I know when I was in uh, AIT that uh, whenever a platoon leader or first sergeant or our platoon sergeant would start up a Jody it would help you go that last half mile or whatever it happened to be and uh, they're always uh, I love the Jodies and uh, that's one of the reasons we start the show with it so welcome back to America's Web Radio thank you Dave for having me and uh, Merry Christmas to you and all of your listeners thank you sir and uh, to you as well and uh, we do wish everybody uh, a uh, very Merry Christmas and as I told uh, Keith earlier I, I because of my situation, I'm going to take off tomorrow and do something a little bit different. I have uh, 
because of our show called uh, Kung Fu Master, and we have Deiru, who is our Kung Fu Master, and uh, we we do an hour of meditation on Friday. Well, we're not going to be working tomorrow, but I decided this was what I wanted to do, basically, tomorrow, was take off the entire day and meditate and think about how fortunate I am to be, to have been brought up in the United States, what a great country it is, and what a great military we have, and how important it is to keep that military strong and do whatever is necessary to keep it strong and keep us the strongest nation in the world. So anybody's welcome to um, go to our uh, Kung Fu Master Deiru show and listen to, and he will guide you through it if you want or just take the time out to do it on your own whatever whatever your plans are we hope that you have a great day tomorrow and uh keeping the right perspective of what it's all about so with that being said uh i want to mention the fact and keith is going to expand on it a little bit uh that we do this show partly because of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And uh, I've always got to salute Rick White and uh, Colonel Rick White, retired, that helps get our guest on. And uh, Rick has become a good friend and uh, uh, just just a f- super, super fantastic guy. By the way, at the same time, I want to mention that uh, yesterday uh, – Pete Mecca, Colonel Mecca, Lieutenant Colonel Mecca, retired, uh, did did his show called A Veteran's Story, and it's posted on our website, and you've got to go to it. I, I'm, I've never said I didn't know that so many times in my life, I think, but his whole show, and, and he didn't get through it, so we're going to do another show, or he is, uh, regarding stars, Hollywood stars, that have been in battle and uh, served their country. Everybody knows Jimmy Stewart and and uh, Johnny Carson and and his sidekick Ed McMahon and so on and so forth. But I mean, uh, and not just men, women as well. That uh, Pete recognized that were in the military and uh, served their country. And uh, as Keith mentioned, it'd be hard-pressed to find one today in Hollywood that would serve our country. But, I, you know, I say that, and I agree with you, but I bet if push came to panic, some of them would step up to the plate. Yeah, I did say had served rather than would serve, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> from my standpoint, and I'm sure from – and and I always make it a clear point that I did not go in country. I was I've been proclaimed a Vietnam veteran era veteran, and uh, I I did not go in country, but I did serve my country, and I I appreciate the respect that uh, folks have the that served. And uh, by the way, I want to mention too that Rocky Blyer is going to be on and. Uh, uh, in a, I don't know, soon. That's the best I can say. But he's doing a spot for us. And uh, if you all don't know his story, um, it's incredible. And uh, after a grenade 
after he was injured by a grenade, he uh, returned and made it back and played football for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Missing part of a foot. Pardon me? He was missing part of a foot from that grenade attack. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, okay. And that's what was amazing with the, the quality of a running back and harder for a runner he was that he was, it wasn't just he recovered from his wound, but he was, I don't want to say obviously it wasn't a handicap, but he was physically impaired as a result of it, and that, that doubled it, the difficulty he had in getting back. So it was, um, yeah, it was quite a story. Well, he's going to be uh, joining us uh like I said, in the very near future, and uh, when I say join us, come in for an interview and, and chat with us. And uh, want to remind everybody, Jan, put down on your calendar January 28th as Warriors for Hope. That's uh, Warriors to Citizens and the St. Jude Foundation have gone together, and they're putting on a fantastic event. Uh, it'll be a zoom type event or whatever where you can watch it and and it'll be hosted by lee greenwood and uh, i think obviously rocky will be there as well and um they've got some fantastic things that you can bid on that uh guitars that are signed by different stars and uh just a lot of different things that'll you'll find very very interesting and uh speaking of stars like i said go to our website and go to uh, a veteran's story. Uh, Pete Mecca did just such a wonderful job yesterday going through the the Hollywood stars that have uh, been on active duty, served either pilots or even to some grunts. Uh, uh, James Arness, Matt Dillon. And uh, he wanted to be a pilot, fighter pilot, but he was too damn big at six seven he couldn't fit in the plane so uh that he didn't do but it, it's a very very interesting show and we have so many ways that you can be a part of the station if you want to be uh we have a patrons program that you can uh, we've got uh pocket size constitutions that if you sign up and are three by five american flags that we'll send you and there's just all sorts of options and we would really appreciate you going to our site so we've gotten the uh the sort of the business stuff over with and we're glad to have keith back in the studio with us and um keith i i was talking to some other vets that you know this this is a season and probably the hardest time of any service person's life is it's the holiday and particularly christmas and yet and when i say and yet uh i'm gonna i want to ask your experience but you know we you do have the military family with you it's just not your wife or kids or whatever your circumstance happens to be but i do admire our country and as i've said before i can't address other countries and what they do on their holidays or whatever but i can address the fact that our country if you're in the military and you're serving particularly out of the united states you're at some foreign base or something they still try their darndest to serve a meal or two meals that will be as close to sort of like home as possible uh 
turkey obviously on Thanksgiving and turkey again on Christmas. And uh, they generally do quite a feast. And, you know, I think in many cases our... uh, Back when I was in, it was our cooks that were military folks. Now I think a lot of it's contract labor and and not our, not our military, not our KP and all that. But still, we go out of our way to try to make it as good a day as possible. Is, is, would you say that was you found that to be true? Indeed, and I know that. Well, I was I didn't serve overseas, and I can only imagine what it would be like to compound the sense of loneliness of being away from home for the holidays is to add in being in a foreign country and possibly a a war zone or whatever that would have more impactful but whenever my first year in the service I was at the language school in Monterey, California and the school shut down for between Christmas and New Year's and my buddy and I, we had we were a little bit older than the other guys we were stationed with out there, and so we we had gotten an apartment off base. And what we did is for Thanksgiving and Christmas is the guys we were stationed with that were in the guys and girls that we were stationed with that still were in the barracks, if they weren't able to go home for the holidays, we invited them over to our apartment. Now I was studying. It was it's pretty interesting when you got a bunch of linguists together because. Everybody messing with each other in whatever language you're studying. I was uh, studying Arabic. My roommate was studying Bulgarian. His girlfriend was studying Chinese, and my girlfriend was studying Thai. So <clears throat> we'd have them. Over, so the four of us all got together and put together a dinner, and we'd br- invite everybody off the base that wasn't going home over to our place for um, for a holiday meal and stuff. And it was it was it was lots of fun. I think it was Thanksgiving that year that we had a. Um, it was one of the first of many earthquakes that I've been through in California. And um, <clears throat> we had had some adult beverages during our meal, and um, some people had left to go get some more. And I had a, the apartment we lived in, it was the, the first floor was on stilts, and that's where you parked your cars. And then there was the next level was apartments, and then we were in the top apartments above it. The couple below us were a rather hefty couple. And so when the apartment started shaking, we just thought they were getting a little amorous for the holiday. <laughs> a little later on in the afternoon, the news came on, and it had the banner across an earthquake. And we were all upset that we had missed our first earthquake because we had been drinking. But anyway, it was pretty funny. But, um, no, at this time, especially like my former neighbor, his son is in the Air Force Station in Dubai right now. Rick's son is commander of the let me get, I hope I get this right, the 75th Ranger Battalion at Benning. And they've just recently deployed back to Afghanistan. And um, so I think of all those troops and the other troops we have around the world that are away from their families this year. And hope that everybody keeps them in their prayers. By the way, I, I don't know why I'd skip this, but uh, I did my basic at Ord, which is right next door to oh. where you did your... Yeah, yeah we, were, we were at the Presidio, yeah. Presidio, Presidio and it was attached yeah. to Ord and... Um, of course, then there was a happy meeting ground between them was the Naval Postgraduate School that we used to go over there on the weekends because you get pictures of mixed drinks for 75 cents. So <laughs> that was always fun. Yeah. it's. Um, in fact, when I, I did my basic and AIT at Ord, and uh, I enjoyed it. Ord was a, a beautiful base and oh. a fort. And, uh, uh, you know, I couldn't have, had, couldn't have been luckier and 
the only thing I didn't like was uh, where they had turned the roads into dust, and uh, we did our forced marches, and uh, I hated to hear the term double time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine what that would have been like. Um, well, I know it was the, the language school was, was pretty tough. Arabic was was 47 weeks, and it was basically four years of college in, in a year. Wow. And uh, it was, so it was pretty tense. You'd have... You had three hours of classes in the morning, two hours in the middle of the day break for uh, chow and for military stuff, and then three hours of class in the afternoon. But it was pretty intense, and so the location in Monterey was was excellent. Like if you were in the bar at the NCO club, behind the bar was the glass windows look, overlooking the Monterey Bay and Fisherman's Wharf. And when we wanted to take a break from school, we just get in the vehicle and drive down PCH, down toward Big Sur and Carmel in that way. And that can unwind pretty good. That was oh, yeah. I love Carmel, too. Uh, uh, talking about beautiful. Uh, we're going to take a break right quick. We'll be back with Keith right after this. I'm your host, Dr. Hal. Every week we come to you with the information that you need so that you will be prepared to advocate for your family and for yourselves when it comes to your health care. God forbid we get Ossoff and Warnock in the Senate and the left gets what they want, which is a majority in Congress and the White House. First of all, health care will be more expensive. There initially will be a public option. The government will run it. They will be initially very inexpensive and it will drive commercial payers out of the healthcare market. Then the choices will disappear. The only insurer out there will be the federal government, and that's when we get a single payer. Part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude Children's Research. This is Rocky Blyer, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Warrior to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who've been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio, for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and I'll see you at noon on January 28th. And I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Rocky. Uh, everything I I hear about him, it's a compliment on top of compliment. What a, a great gentleman he is, a, a great brother from his service in, in the military, uh, his wound, and as Keith was saying, uh, his comeback was just absolutely incredible and i think after he uh came back they won uh, four super bowls i believe and um he was obviously a big big part of it and uh, i uh you just i I can't wait to meet him he's going to be in doing a a show with uh uh, joe delap and uh some other gentlemen that uh, are involved with the uh, warriors to citizens group and uh the event with uh, St. Jude's Hospital. So, enough of that, and uh, back to Keith. Keith, you know, what's the most memorable meal you had when you were in the service? And were you in during, well, I guess you were during a couple of 
Christmases or three or well, four? The most memorable memorable one wasn't a military meal. When I was at the language school, uh, several of us volunteered to work the Bean Crosby Pro-Am golf tournament oh, right. over in Pebble <laughs> Beach. And um, <laughs> we, we got to go to that. And there's a kid from southwest Virginia. It was quite something to be at a, a sit-down dinner uh I don't know. There were several hundred people there, and wow. lobster and steak and everything. I was. It was just. It just totally amazed me. I was. It was a lot of fun. And of course, it was one of the many times that we ran into Clint Eastwood out there, and um, it was really funny. Uh, but getting back, just one more thing about Rocky. We had the. Um, I had the honor, in addition to being vice president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association, I'm also captain of the color guard, and our color guard presented the colors at a. Um, a fundraising event for Warriors to Citizens, at, at which Rocky was the keynote speaker. Now, Rocky also sits on the board of Warriors to Citizens. And so then afterwards, we had an opportunity to speak with him and have our picture taken with him. And and got and he's, he's an incredibly dynamic speaker, uh, very forceful, and a very he's a very personable guy, too. I mean, he it was just like a guy sitting around the table or whatever ch- ch- chatting with him after sort of like our studio yeah sort of and um so it was it was very it was very it was a it was a, a quite a an honor to get to meet him and to listen to his story then followed that up with the special they had on ESPN about when he went back to Vietnam to visit where the actual battlefield that he was wounded in and it was extremely hot and it he was going I mean it it was very impactful on him, and to be there and witness it, it was, you know, <laughs> you sort of felt like you were prying in, into a, such a personal thing for him, but it was very, very impactful, especially when you, I never went to Vietnam, but I read hundreds of books on it and on people's experiences, and I have a lot of friends that were there, and if you haven't ever been in a situation like that, you you know, there's a part of you always wonder just how what how would I have handled myself? What would I have done? You know, would have I would have been a coward? Would have not whether I've been a hero or not, just whether I would have just been able to perform, you know, and and uh, be there for my for my with my fellow comrades and stuff, and it. Uh, so anyway, it was very. It, I've I've read a lot to try to get an idea of what it was like, and that was that was something after the fact that had nothing to do with the war. It's just you know, fifty years later, the impact that the war still had on him, and how you know something you carry with you all your life. Well, you know, this is this is something that we've talked about, and uh, I get blamed many times on this show for talking too much, but uh, we've talked about it before, and it's it's like. We came out of out of World War II, and it was it was sort of glamorized by the movies, different movies, yeah. and uh, then we went into a quasi nasty war in Korea, and then we went to Vietnam. That was the nasty uh, nastiest of nasty wars that we had ever been in, in my opinion. And if with your reading, if I'm saying something wrong, please tell me. But I guess Vietnam, you know, World War II, you shot them or they shot you, and that was sort of it uh, for the most part in, in simplistic terms. 
But in Vietnam, they proved how inhumane humans can be to other humans. And some of the, you know, we call it PTSD today. Many times it was called shell-shocked or whatever, but different terms. But now it's called PTSD. And I had friends that, and one of them, J. Roy Ritchie, that was there, he and I sat around our house that we roomed together and uh, we sat around our house many many nights maybe having one too many beers but we were talking about his experiences in Vietnam and he said you know he couldn't believe what he was ordered to do at times and you know it was look at what they did to us we got to go do it to them or vice versa and you know, I, I get off on this, and I say it too many times, that our Congress people, I don't think they should be in Congress if they haven't served, served in the military. But they have no idea what they're talking about when when you bring back and talk to a, a Vietnam veteran or, or some of the atrocities that have happened now in the Middle East. And um, I pray day you know literally daily that that our congress people will take care of the uh, you know the the smoke that the military has inhaled in Iraq and in uh, Iran and so forth and so on in Afghanistan uh, the burn pits and uh, it's killing people and it's killing our veterans. That'll be this generation's uh, Agent Orange yeah. fight that'll go on for decades before it's rectified, and it'll oh. never be rectified. But No, it'll never be rectified, but I just hope it's identified and, and the veterans that suffer from it get their just rewards, you know? And, and uh, Well, the hardest thing about that is that they, they won't know for decades the full impact of it. It's just no. like Agent Orange... You know, when I first started hearing about Agent Orange, it seemed like the effects of it were noticed fairly quickly, like, say, 10, 15 years, whatever. But, I mean, we've got veterans in our group that are in their 60s and 70s, 40, 50 years after they left country, that um, are, are dealing now with the things that can be traced back to Agent Orange. Oh, yeah. Well, it was only recently that, uh, what was it? Well, my Navy guys will get on me for this one, but... Oh, uh, the blue... The, the, the blue blue water Navy, where yeah. they finally got... that. I mean, just because you weren't in country, if you were on a battleship off or, or on an aircraft carrier off of the coast or in Thailand, and you're loading that stuff on the planes or in Guam, you know, you were exposed to it as well. So. Or if you were anchored offshore and, and uh, they sprayed over you... That's uh, you know, and 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 I've got to bring up a salute to to the Coast Guard. People don't realize how much the Coast Guard played a role in Vietnam. Uh, certainly, the Navy did, our carriers, our battleships, so forth and so on. But the guard on the coasts of Vietnam were our Coast Guard, and uh, they too got sprayed with Agent Orange, and. Um, I always want to recognize, you know, again, we have the greatest military in the world. I don't I don't think there's any I don't think we're second to anybody in my opinion and the interchanging of working between branches is just to me incredible. And you're talking a 
a half million million men that uh, might be serving in an area at one time and and the coordination is just beyond belief so anyway uh and oh, that's one other the, thing i wanted to i wanted to mention before i forget sure. uh, with us talking about the, the different wars uh, starting this morning on the history channel they're showing the 10-part miniseries of band of brothers hmm. which is one of the all-time best, if, if best if not the best uh document or miniseries ever shown on tv and tom hanks and steven spielberg did a bang up job on and I, I think about it every time I, I go north on 85 and I pass the exit to Tacoa where mm-hmm. Curly, the mountain that challenged them in their basic and I, well I, I'm i somewhat of a I did not a my, my uncle was a history professor so I won't call myself a historian but I, I'm quite enamored with military history and our country's history and I just got back from a trip to Virginia where unfortunately we buried my uncle who was an Air Force veteran. Probably the, one of the motivating or, or influential decisions on my joining the Air Force when I just decided to join the military. But it always intrigues me when I take that trip because I go up 85 and I pass the exit for Tacoa, which is the, where the, the, the airborne unit did their basic training that depicted in Band of Brothers. And then you go through Cal's Pen, South Carolina, which has the which is that last big war scene in the Patriot with Mel Gibson, and it was a deciding uh, victory in the, the Revolutionary War. Then you go by Kings Mountain on the North Carolina Georgia or South Carolina border, and there was that was the site of major battles in both the Revolutionary War and um, the Civil War. And then up closer to home, there's uh, off of Interstate 77. Right on the New River there, there's the Shot Tower. And this is where they made ammunition during the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. And they'd have different sized towers, and they'd take the molten lead. Somebody will correct me if I get this wrong, but they would take the molten lead, and depending on the caliber that they were they were making is how the, dist- <laughs> how the distance that they dropped it in. And then I guess it landed into cooling pits or whatever. So it's... Um, Anyway, it just reminds me of of all the stuff that our country has gone through, and to get where we're at, and what we're trying to do with it now. Well, I won't even go into that. I'm not <laughs> sure what we're trying to do with it now, no. uh, nor do I think anybody has a, a real answer to that. But uh, you know, the one thing that I hear from all, or not all vets, but most all of the vets i've interviewed is that we will get through it and uh we have one powerful thing that many other countries don't have and that's our faith and our hope and uh we will we have overcome all types of adversity over the years and uh we will get through all of this at at some point but you know i uh I think I asked uh, before when when you were here. Uh, do you keep track of many of your friends that you made uh, while you were in? Um, a couple, but not I, a couple of them. But uh, both of them. Well, I, I I had kept track with the two of my closest friends, but both of them unfortunately have passed. Both of them have unfortunately passed away. Yeah, bring it a little okay. closer to. So both of them have unfortunately passed away. So. Um, not too much. Well, but I, 
if I were a betting person, I bet those two and and probably some others that are in the back of your mind or could be in the back of your mind that yeah they're friends that um, you know they're the greatest friends ever when you uh, they definitely weren't the the one um, the one that lost the most recently I'm still I'm still in touch with his family and I mean there's they're all grown adults with with families of their own and I knew them back when they were changing diapers and babysitting for them and stuff so it was very close but again. My relationships in the military weren't quite the same as the guys who'd seen combat either, you know, because I think you 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 develop a, a closer relationship to those. But even those, I hear that a lot of times the guys don't. You're very close during it, but you don't always get back together because you don't want to relive it all or whatever. I don't know, but it's it's different for everybody. Well, it is, uh, and I've said it thousands of times now that the world's largest fraternity and sorority is the u.s military and and it really uh as i mentioned earlier it sort of crosses over as well between you know it doesn't matter what branch someone was in if you reckon you can almost i don't know if it's smelling them or just telling them you know Uh, but you can tell that somebody has been in the military and uh you know, if they happen to be wearing a cap and say, I served on so-and-so destroyer or this or that, just, uh, and they do appreciate, thank you for your service. And if you happen to be in a situation where you can buy them a meal or buy them a cup of coffee or a drink or whatever, and this goes for our first responders, too. Uh, I don't ever want to leave them out because, you know, I've come to the point with the show that... Uh, when I say first responder, everybody instantly thinks of police department, fire department, EMTs, or whatever. But I look at it a bit broader than that in that the United States is the first responder. We are the first on the scene of any national or international disaster, and we always have been. And we're the most generous country in the world. And... Um, we anybody that calls for help we respond and we answer and i think this has been shown for hundreds of years now ever since our country was formed now while i may not have um kept close contact with a lot of the guys that i was stationed with i do know that people that i've grown up with and people that i know we have a tighter bond knowing that we're both veterans and i also something i've i've Learned with my involvement in the Johns Creek Veterans Association too is that a lot of times when you first leave the military, your focus is on the next phase of your life, whether that's getting a job and starting a family or going to school or whatever. And then when you're young, you're building your family, you're working on a career or a job set. <clears throat> and that's, that's, you know, it takes up most of your focus and your and your um, your efforts. But then, as you get older, um, yeah, I guess you. I don't know if it's memory going memory down memory lane or reminiscing or trying to regain your youth <laughs> or whatever. As um, that that bond becomes even stronger. And Roger, I know you've had Roger Weiss on here before. Oh yeah, and um, and Ro- everybody knows Roger. Yes, that is I I I've I've been out with the man at restaurants and different venues, and 
it just never ceases to amaze me the man does cannot go anywhere and without having people there that know him and know him very well but when he does an introduction to our color guard he has this little thing that he goes through freedom isn't free and one of the things he emphasizes in that is if you see a, a, a vet or someone in uniform or a first responder that you go up and thank them for their service and it's something I've done religiously, and I did it before I ever got involved with the JCVA. When I, I traveled in my professional career, I spent a lot of time in airports, and I was always, you know, thinking that there, especially when you see the traveling military in uniform, you know, and offered to buy them a meal or a drink or just thank them for their service and stuff. It's something very – it's something I take gratification from doing. Uh, just was it yesterday or the day before I was in the convenience store and there was this guy there he was older in age and he seemed to be struggling a little bit and his wife was in trying to help him and as they were leaving the store he seemed to be a little discombobulated and uh, I saw he had on a, a Vietnam vet hat and I just stopped and thanked him for his service. And at first, even though he was sort of taken back because his mind was, was someplace else. But um, uh, then, then there's a, a note of recognition came across his face, and then he just sort of smiled. He says, well, thank you. And that's my uncle. When at One of the eulogies that they were talking about was he was in a restaurant, but there was this lady that gave this wonderful eulogy on my uncle. And her and her husband, my uncle and his wife, were in a restaurant. And all of a sudden, my uncle gets up and says, excuse me, I'll be back in a minute. And he goes across the restaurant. He had seen a veteran sitting up there with a veteran hat on and went over and didn't just, you know, just thank him for his service. But he sat down and engaged him in conversation for a little bit and stuff. And it's just, you know, I think that's really, um, they appreciate it, and they know how much other vets appreciate it. So I think they go out of their way to do it. But I think everybody should. Well, you know, from a veteran standpoint, and and people that haven't served, if you do exactly what Keith says, just thank them for their service, and if you can, buy them a meal or whatever. But it'll do more for you than it does for the, the veteran himself or herself. And uh, don't forget the women. They're, they've played... A major role in our military for many many years now and uh, the nurses that served uh, just on and on and uh, I just you know there's so many that we have to think there's 2.1 million veterans in the United States now and unfortunately we're losing a thousand World War II veterans daily not monthly but daily I think it's a thousand twenty or something like that. I believe the number is, and that brings me to something that well, Keith and I were talking about before the show uh, about people that have seen him and and know him well, like his son or whoever it happens to be in your family. But if you're out there and you're a veteran and are married to a veteran or know a veteran in your family, or obviously you'd know him, but. Uh, just get them, have them get the grandkid, the grandchildren, whatever around them, and ask them to tell their story. Because these stories, you know, they're our foundation for the country in many ways. And passing on, just like uh, you were, you were talking, Keith, about your uncle that was in the Air Force, and. Uh, 
they all have in fact i always have this deal and keith you've had a couple of months to think about it do you know of one veteran that can tell only one story <laughs> no. no i don't no. think so it's an impossibility so you get them to talking and they can be humorous stories they can be scary stories literally or they can you know it's just we've got to keep our history and that history is stored in the person that served and it doesn't matter which branch whatever they know stories they have stories and we have to keep our history as history, and that's stored in our veterans. Well, you know, my, my paternal grandfather, he uh, was a farmer, and he had a large family, and um, he didn't serve in the military. But his brother uh, did serve in the infantry in World War II, and he's actually he's buried in France from wounds sustained on D-Day. And that was very pointed in the family and my grandfather we were all raised his kids were raised and they raised us all with the knowledge that you know this member of our family had made this ultimate sacrifice and it fell down through the family my dad served in the navy uh, during korea my oldest uncle who i just saw at the funeral he uh my oldest surviving uncle um he was drafted into the army and then shortly after that, I probably after, right after both of them got out of high school, my my youngest two uncles uh, both joined the Air Force, and um, so it just seemed sort of natural. Whenever I was I I joined the Air Force, and then my brother, um, he was in the Army. So it's um, it's it's something that's, but a lot of the the inspiration for doing it or the sense of obligation to do it was passed down through their family stories. You know, with all of with our conversation today, I want to uh, plead with everybody that's listening to go and vote. We have the finest country in the world, and we have to have our. It's because we have a thing called check, checks and balances, and uh, what we were talking about a minute ago about the history being passed on by veterans. Our history, unfortunately, and many of our textbooks are not passing on what a veteran can pass on, and we have to we have to maintain this. And the only way we can do it, our founding fathers knew exactly what they were doing when they wrote the Constitution. It's one of the most remarkable uh, documents in the world, and it's based on no one. Entity, no one out of the three, the executive branch, the legislative branch, or the judicial branch, can run the country by themselves. It has to be cooperative and legal, and we're in a situation here in Georgia that we have to get out and vote and make sure David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler maintain their seats in the senate so we can have our checks and balances so please you've got a couple of days and then that'll be it and uh everybody or i say everybody many folks across the country and many veterans across the country are counting on georgia to do the right thing and uh, we have to maintain our ability to, to check the white house and the judicial branch so we can do that 
through the Senate. And I didn't mean to interrupt, but we've got to uh, take a break right now. We'll be back with Keith right after a short break. I'm your host, Dr. Hal. Every week we come to you with the information that you need so that you will be prepared to advocate for your family and for yourselves when it comes to your health care. God forbid we get Ossoff and Warnock in the Senate and the left gets what they want, which is a majority in Congress and the White House. First of all, health care will be more expensive. There initially will be a public option. The government will run it. They will be initially very inexpensive, and it will drive commercial payers out of the health care market. Then the choices will disappear. The only insurer out there will be the federal government, and that's when we get a single payer. This is Rocky Blyer, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Warrior to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who've been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio, for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and I'll see you at noon on January 28th. That's going to be quite an event that uh, they're going to be putting on. So mark your calendar January the 28th at noon, and uh, be sure and tune in. And there are going to be some great, great items being auctioned off. So you'll enjoy it. It'll be fun, and uh, you'll be surprised at who the other host is, a name that I think everybody in the country knows. His last name happens to be Greenwood. And uh, you can figure out the rest of it from there. So, Keith, um, what, is your, what, what do you think, veteran? Or let's, let's get out to the uh, healing wall in, in Johns Creek at Newtown Park. Yeah, so, uh, well... <laughs> We, we've, we've completed the installation. Actually, the city even opened it up to the public uh, the, just before Memorial Day weekend. We still have not been allowed to have our official dedication of it and because of uh, COVID uh, restrictions. But it'll be worth the wait because we're going to have quite the turnout and quite the, the event when we do finally dedicate it. But we're, we're continuing on. We're working with... Um, Beautified Johns Creek and a couple other social groups that are working to beautify our park that's already very pretty. And um, because the eventual, where the wall is situated up on this bank, uh, on that bank, eventually they're going to have 58,314 tulips. That's how many names are on the wall. And um, so that'll be quite the sight in the spring. Uh, we've gotten our lights and well, keep in mind, I'm not volunteering to count them. No, sir. No. Uh, well, actually, that number is going to change because there's a we're getting uh, there's going to be an addition to the park soon of a plaque because I think the Vietnam War Memorial Foundation has added 75 names that were people that were I think they were. 
they were officially assigned to Vietnam, but then while there, they went off on other missions, and so they were killed outside of Vietnam. So they weren't included in the original Vietnam War dead, but um, they're still going to get uh, a special recognition, which is a chickly subject because, you know, there's family members and stuff, and of those who died from Agent Orange from serving in countries that feel like their name should be on the wall, too, and I can't I can't argue it against them. But then I have a friend who is in the Marine Corps. He's a tank commander in the Marine Corps. That um, he died several years after he came back, but there's no doubt in my mind that he was another Vietnam casualty. But we remember him in our hearts. But um, so we've done a lot to 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 finish off the installation at the at the at the park. Um, with the current effort right now is the addition of a kiosk for the wall because there's software available to us from the Vietnam War Memorial Foundation in D.C. that we'll put, have uh, installed on the kiosk that allowed visitors to come that's looking for a specific name on the wall that they can enter into this database on the kiosk and it'll tell them which panel, which line where this position in the line to help them and find a name and then in addition it'll have the capacity or the capability for people to make donations to the kiosk which we will then use to fund other veteran centric programs that are being run by other groups, organizations in the country in the southeast, in Georgia in uh, north metro Atlanta area that we want to um, we want to assist whether it's veteran homelessness or PTSD or job training or any of the numerous different efforts like Warriors to Citizens and um, other similar groups that are uh, very involved. One of the things I wanted to get to today, we won't have time, we'll give me another excuse to come back again, was I do a lot of volunteer work for the Habitat for Humanity. Well, Habitat for Humanity has a foundation that they work in conjunction with a uh, foundation by Home Depot and other ones that they have programs set up not just to build houses but for, exi- for vets in existing homes that are in need of repair that um, – so these are very worthwhile efforts that many different groups uh, are involved in, focus on towards our, our veterans. My biggest concern with that is, is there's so many divergent activities, but there's not, you know, my frustration is we don't have a central clearinghouse for everything. So because I think that there's a lot of effort and monies being spent and the duplication of effort, like administratively and stuff like that, that there's there's there seems there should be a better organizational structure for these different groups to know what each other is doing, so that they can, if somebody's doing something, why should you do it when you could do it together or help each other or somewhere like that to to um, a clearinghouse. Yeah, pretty much, and um, it's an effort. But then you know everybody's got their little place in the sandbox and. <laughs> And I, so it's, it gets into stuff like that. But, but right now, though, getting back to the wall, um, we are continuing to d- do things to prepare for the, the official dedication. Right now, we're going to shoot for Vietnam War Memorial Day in March of this year, of 2021. But who knows what we'll, where we'll be with COVID at that time. Another thing that we have going on, and I think it's set up for – and Submarine Mike is going to get on me for this one for not having. <laughs> I, I forgot to bring the piece of paper with it, but there's 
back in I think it was World War One that they um, after the war was over that they they this where they first set up the tomb of the unknown soldier. And then there's a garden there, and I believe it's tulips that. Anyway, so there's an effort underway to create gardens in recognition of the hundred. I believe it's the hundredth anniversary of the, the tomb of the unknown soldier. And so we've set aside a, a section of our park that we're going to be dedicating and planting flowers in it. And some of the flowers are coming from the original flowers of the original park and 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 back in a hundred years ago. And so that's one of the other things. But again, that'll be something to later be later in uh, uh, 2021 November, I guess, around uh, Veterans Day in November, I believe. I've uh, almost an hour now. I've been sitting across from your T-shirt, <laughs> and uh, I, I keep having the thought, I know what DD-214 means. That's your discharge and your honorable discharge and the paperwork that says you serve. And uh, you were honorably discharged on this date and at the rank of and so forth and so on uh i have a dd-256 i believe it is coming out of the reserves uh it's the same as a 214 but it's it's a reserve deal but i I was just wondering sitting here wondering how many folks would have a clue what uh i ain't perfect but i do have a dd-214 that's close enough for an old man, that's close enough. Um, you know, I've never had anybody come up and ask me what it is. I've had plenty of people that know what it is acknowledge it. But uh, I don't feel bad for sitting there for an hour because one of our monthly JCVA meetings, I wore it there. And it was, I think it was after our meeting was over before anyone noticed it and said anything about it. It was pretty funny. But anyway, I, I like wearing it. So. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's... I, quite frankly, for years and years and years, was not that proud that I had served in the Guard, and then when I got out, I was in the Army Reserve. But thankfully, folks like Rick White and Mike and many others uh, have straightened my head out. Uh, When we have only 1% of our nation that will raise their hands to serve their country there's something wrong and then we have one out of four veterans that are homeless on the street and that's that's a crime that's a shame that's terrible uh, both situations are terrible and um, you know if you don't like our country then get the hell out you know colonel white colonel i agree with you about colonel white's uh Enlightenment on on the subject because he had a story about where he served two tours in Vietnam and was scheduled to go back for a third and then the war was was shut down and years later he ran into a friend of his who had gone to, I guess he had gone through OCS with who had spent the whole time in Vietnam in Europe and this guy was lamenting his service thinking that he was had somehow had a less honorable service because he did not go to war and rick did and so he he felt guilty about it and rick said he said i told him he said when you raise your hand and you take that oath after that what happens to your career it's up to the military decides where you go and what you do and i know in looking at my service and i was in from april 74 to march 79 um, you know, it was winding down in Vietnam. The military was very much looked upon. Now, I didn't have any of the, even though I spent 
four, 13 and a half months in California, I didn't have any of the negative experiences some of my veteran friends had coming to like through San Francisco on their way uh, way home from uh, from Vietnam. But it it wasn't. You know, I mean, you had Nixon resigned on my birthday while I was at school. We were, we were we went and uh, celebrated my birthday down at Big Sur, and a bunch of hippies came into the campground next to us and had a resignation party for Nixon, and I thought it was pretty funny. But you know, but then that was followed with, with Ford, and then Jimmy Carter, and you know, the military was an afterthought then, and it wasn't. Yeah. I see my service different as during the time that I served than guys who've been in during any of the conflicts afterwards, or especially them that have been in in the last 20 years because there was a whole different world. But again, like Rick says, you know, when you raise your arm, your hand, and you take that oath, you know, you took the oath, and then it's up for them to decide how they want to use you. So it's helped me put it in a little bit different perspective. Well, uh, you know, and obviously uh, with the reserve today, and I, and you don't know how many people know it or don't know it, but Desert Shield and Desert Storm—they're—they're they're doing the load. Of, they're doing the the major load of the work now. Right, right. The Army uh, Army Reserve, and we call it the National Guard, but it's the State National Guard, and then the federal can call up any part thereof that they want. Uh, but they still have to go through the governor uh, of the state. There are people in the sandbox right now that are on something like their twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth tour. Yeah, I know. Duty, and that just you know you can't and 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 the environment up there with the IEDs and and all of that, you know, it's it's just amazing how they do it and still stay sane. Well. You know, it's it. it's uh, no, I just just had something pop up that, uh, but it's again, folks. If if you don't have a family member or don't know of someone that served and you haven't served, then make it your duty to find out about what veterans, you know, what you can do for veterans and what what our veterans, you know. The interesting thing too, depending on how things go. Well, one thing that I'll bring up, I have never interviewed a veteran in here, and I think I told you this when you were here the first time, I have never interviewed a veteran that if I said if our president called, would you go back in? And, you know, they'll push your walkers back in to get back and and fight for our country if needed. You know, um, last year, pre-COVID, uh, on Veterans Day, our J- JCVA Color Guard, we did something like 17 events over four days related wow. to Veterans Day. This year, I supplied materials for one. I did participate in another virtually. And on Veterans Day, we had only two events, and both of them were at retirement homes. And the prize. Keith, I got to I got to interrupt you. Okay. We're totally out of time. We'll have you back, and we'll finish that story, and have many more when you come back. Thanks for being with us, and you've been listening to David's pick on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.